0: Welcome back to Building HVAC Science. It's our goal here in this podcast to help create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians by helping the two professions better understand each other with the ultimate goal, making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. Sometimes you need to have some oversight, some guidance, perhaps maybe even a grade to see how your work is performing. Wes Davis joins us today to provide some definitions, insights, and perspectives on HVAC codes and standards from his role as the Director of Technical Services at ACCA, the Air Conditioning Contractors of America. We dig into details of the ANSI ResNet ACCA Standard 310310, the 310, standard for grading the installation of HVAC systems. The standard was published in June of 2020. The standard was written mainly to help builders earn ResNet-HERS credit for installing and commissioning residential HVAC systems. ResNet-HERS scores are given to new construction homes for a host of benefits described at a link you'll find in the show notes. Yet, the 310 standard, like other ACCA standards, manuals and publications, and there's a bunch of links again in the show notes, allows any technician or contractor to quickly assimilate Vast industry and institutional knowledge from all the different stakeholders that have built, reviewed, and commented in the publications. This is a terrific way to build and grow a better business. It's really a goldmine of information. Wes and I also touch on the vast array of other member benefits that are available at ACCA, like mixed groups, advocacy, forums, and technical support. It's also a great way to immerse yourself in your business in this world of knowledge and connection by attending the next ACCA conference, which is in October in Indianapolis, Indiana. Again, link in the show notes. There's also a link to that ANSI ResNet ACCA Standard 310, which is the link comes from the ResNet website. And if you don't know already, I host the ResNet Res Talk podcast. You can find it at ResTalk. And we've talked about this standard before with Wes and others that are involved with the standard. We also have a link to the ACCA online store, advocacy, educational info, all kinds of resources. So let's get into conversation with Wes Davis of ACCA and find out how ACCA standards help contractors build knowledge and improve performance. We'll be talking about HVAC today. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> and I have a, my good friend Wes Davis on the line here. Wes, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. Doing better now that I know I'm your good friend. Wow.
0: Yeah. Wes, give us some of your background. And geez, I can't remember when we met, but it's got to be on the order of more than 15 years ago.
1: I think so. Yeah. A bit of background. After getting out of school, I went to work for my rich uncle, Uncle Sam. And he let me travel all over the world on his nickel. And I had a lot of fun there. And then I got out and went to work in a family business and heat and air business down in coastal South Carolina and uh, learned a lot. And then conditions changed and it was time for a transition. And it just so happened that ACCA was desperate. And so I got a job at ACCA working on standards and codes, more codes than standards, but got to work with a great bunch of folks here and many of them have decided to retire or move on, and so I'm sort of the last Indian in the ring from the old days. But to your question, it was at a South Carolina Heating and Cooling. It used to be the South Carolina Heat Pump Association. I believe we met. You were working a booth for Testo at the time. Probably so. And struck up a conversation and fell off for a bit. But then when I got back to ACCA. It was good to catch up and reconnect, and we've been talking ever since.
0: So how long with ACCA?
1: Since 2006. 2006, wow. So quite a few.
0: Yeah. For the listeners, because sometimes I think the phrase codes and standards falls off of everybody's tongue or falls out of their mouth. Can you give us not a textbook example, but in your words – The differences between standards and codes?
1: Sure. I think standards are pertinent to an industry specific, and it may deal with a specific topic. For example, our ACC quality installation standard is a specification for metrics that need to be performed and how they can be evaluated. What are the approved procedures to do so? And then a code is a minimum standard for complying or building a structure. And so very similar in many ways, but also very unique standards are, again, going to be, in my opinion, specific to a topic. And a code is going to be more broad, more general, like building a residence or building a commercial building or how to build a swimming pool, an enclosed swimming pool. So a little broader.
0: And ACA is a standards developing
1: organization.
0: Thank you. I was going to say that there's actually a term for that. And that requires some heavy lifting,
1: some work to keep that in place. It does. There's an audit every five years and they come and check our records. Uh, There are compliance requirements, so we have to keep our standards current. And at the moment, manual S for residential equipment selection is out for public review. And we welcome people's comments. We've made a lot of changes to Manual S, trying to streamline it a bit more, make it a little more standard-like, I think it'd be a good way to put it, to make it, here's the set requirements. And our plan is to make that available free of charge online for online viewing. And then if you have a question about a requirement, we're going to develop a user's guide And it'll have examples and explanations and more detail. And we'll package that with the standard. And that is what we'll sell and how we'll keep the lights on. Got it.
0: Backing up again, ACCAs. Is it still called the Air Conditioning Contractors of America? It is. It is. Yes, sir. Because some organizations like KFC have dropped the full name. (laughs) You guys haven't.
1: Not yet. We flirted for a bit with the indoor environment. Association. Was, it was something else indoor environment and energy efficiency. It was a wonderful mouthful, but it didn't quite stick.
0: There's other things that ACCA does. And again, a lot of listeners might not be familiar with that. Can you give us the top of mind list of all the activities ACC is involved in? ACCA?
1: Absolutely. So in my department, we also handle contractor accreditation, and that's in support of Energy Star at the moment. But we would love to see that grow into something that acts as an arbiter for discerning who's a good contractor, a quality contractor, and specifically the work they do. It's hard to describe what's a quality contractor. Lots of different business-related aspects go into that. As far as their work, we want to be able to recognize quality contractors and identify quality installations. And when requirements are met, the minimum standards are complied with, then we would recognize that. So that's contractor accreditation. I mentioned our work and standards. David Bixby on our team interacts with ICC and IATMO on code development, representing contractors' voices. And then we have training that we develop for HVAC professionals around the country. And then at a little more macro level, higher up, ACC is a trade association. So we have membership And one of our other claims to fame is our trade association, our our conference. We have a big conference in the spring and then what we call our fall forums. And this year it's next level. We'll have a couple of days in Indianapolis with loads of speakers on a variety of topics.
0: In addition to yourself, there's a new guy in town who's just over your right
1: shoulder there (laughs) with ACA, relatively new. Who's that? Angry Ed, yes, Ed Janowak is one of the trainers. I mentioned trainers. We've Matt Aikens is on the team, and then Ed joined about 18 months, two years ago. And so these gentlemen developed training back in the dark ages during COVID, a lot of virtual training, online training. But we're back on the road again, and Ed has got a lot of frequent flyer miles going around the country teaching people about manual J, manual S, manual D, manual T, and our other standards.
0: It's really great. There's a lot of engagement there that I see in a lot of different places. I think it brings ACCA to where the rubber meets the road with the contractors in front of them, different forms. You mentioned something, Energy Star. Again, you're at a crossroads, a lot of stuff. And I think sometimes people hear things and they don't really understand them. So could you give us a nugget on what is Energy Star in relation to HVAC?
1: Right. So people are used to seeing the Energy Star logo on the refrigerator or their toaster or a monitor, a computer monitor. They also have an Energy Star certified homes program. And this is for new construction. And it was meant to raise the bar. It started with Sam Rashkin many, many moons ago. And he would go out and encourage builders to follow better practices to rise above. And just as Energy Star seeks to Signify products that are above average or have a better or improved energy efficiency. He was doing the same thing with homes. And he's seen that uh, he grew that and it evolved. ResNet started doing ratings of homes, going in and evaluating how well the home was constructed. Was the insulation installed correctly? Was the home constructed? And modeling and making sure that the energy performance of that home would be better understood and reflected. So it's continued to grow. Jonathan Pass is now running Energy Star and the homes branch. Dean Gamble is in charge of certified homes, the certified homes branch of the residential section. It's, in this particular case, a way to put a a label on a home that says this home meets Energy Star requirements and has a number of benefits that are available to the homeowner.
0: Got it. And that leads into the main topic we wanted to talk about was the ACCA Standard 310. But there's actually a couple other organizations that are in the title of that standard. So it was worked cooperatively. Tell us the full title.
1: Absolutely. So it's the ResNet, ACCA, ICC, Standard 310. And it is for evaluating the performance of an HVAC system. And this information is factored into the energy rating index, which is a part of standard 301. And that's a ResNet only standard, but that's the standard that is used to evaluate and model a home's energy performance.
0: I look at standards every now and again, and I look at them and go, like, it's just a compilation of good. Knowledge about the world that anybody can use. I mean, the specific topic that anyone can use. But once you go through, there's like five main blocks or hurdles, if you will, to be considered,
1: I guess, a high quality. Absolutely. So the f- five are there's two prerequisites that need to be done before you can start to apply the benefit that would be gleaned from compliance with the standard. And the first is design, the HVC system design. And it goes beyond just verifying that the right window loads or floor area was considered in evaluating the home's heat loss or heat gain. But then also, was the home built that way? Sometimes change orders come in and we are going to encapsulate the attic or we are going to bump out the master bedroom or let's change the window package or add this large window in the living room or something like that. And so it just says, was the home built like it was modeled? And if it was, great. And if it wasn't, great. It's still fine. But did you incorporate those changes in your load? Yes, I did. Equipment size is still the same. Great. Let's move on. If not, oh, wait, wait, wait we need to make a change here. We need to maybe change the size of the equipment or modify the ductwork. So prerequisite one, design and confirmation was built to design. Number two, duct leakage. You must meet minimum duct leakage requirements. We've got a nice, tight duct system. And if we've got those two prerequisites, then we can go into measuring airflow. And when we measure airflow, we know it's going through a nice, tight duct system. Then we look at the fan watt draw per CFM. Or is the motor working efficiently or is it pushing, having to work a little too hard to move the correct airflow to the system? And then last but not least, refrigerant charge. And the standard was written aimed at ResNet Raiders. So it's meant to be uh, something a Raider could do. ACCA encouraged that the standard also allow for an HVAC professional. If they wanted to evaluate the design and confirm the home was built as designed, they could. If they wanted to measure duct leakage, they could. They are or should be measuring airflow. They can take those motor measurements and confirm that the watt draw per CFM meets the standard requirement. And of course, they're charging the system so they can charge the system and relay those elements to the rating software and incorporate. The intent is that if you do these things and you see the benefit of having good airflow, low watt draw per CFM and the refrigerant charge on track, then you get your HERS score, your energy rating index score reduced. And that's beneficial to the builder, beneficial to the homeowner, and beneficial to that HVAC professional.
0: And HERS ratings just are like golf scores, the lower the better.
1: The lower the better. Yes, sir.
0: Okay. Thank you. For those that aren't familiar with them. So the process you're describing is just good practice. It might be called upon to be utilized strictly when you're involved with a HERS rating, with the ResNet Standard 301 but beyond that, it's also just good practice.
1: Absolutely. Right. Now, these are things that should be done. And in my opinion, it's finally giving some credit to those HVAC professionals who've been doing it all along or who do pick up the necessary skills and start to employ it. And son of a gun, we do need to improve our airflow. We're not getting what we need. Let's improve our performance. Or having an efficient system that does incorporate the an efficient fan and right-sized ducts so that that fan can work appropriately and, of course, refrigerant charge.
0: So in order to roll this out, because I know it's been worked on for a number of years, of course, in order to build a standard, I can actually remember some of the first drafts were just in Microsoft Word and went through a lot of changes and worked up to the point. Did the standard came out like in 2020 was official?
1: That sounds right. Yes, sir.
0: Now, in order to put it into practice, there's a lot of detail there, important detail, let's say that. But to put it into practice, I understand you're working with some tools that can produce that certificate. Can you talk about that?
1: I can, but it's still a bit premature, Bill. We are working toward a way for an HVAC professional to work either with a rater or independently. If a home's got a rater involved, they're already measuring duct leakage. To me, it would be redundant for the contractor to go back and measure it again just to provide that data point. But if the contractor and the rater can work together and compare and make sure that the design is correct and the building was built correctly uh, to the design, the rater does the duct leakage testing, and then the contractor can measure airflow and fan watt per CFM and the refrigerant charge. Convey that information to the rater, and that information can then be factored into the energy rating index.
0: Got it. But actually, the tools to make those measurements are well-defined already in the standard. The characteristics of the tools.
1: Okay, characteristics of the tools. Absolutely.
0: We were talking about the tools. Right. Actually perform the tests. And then the standard itself, from what I recall, actually sort of has like levels of compliance, like
1: specifications.
0: Yeah, specifications to get a grade within there. Is there training that's going on to help people understand it? Or is it just more like organizing the practice that they already know?
1: That's a good question. And on the Raider side, I can't quite speak to that. To me, it's, and that's the reason ACCA pushed that HVAC contractors be able to submit this data, capture it, collect it, share it with the rater, and then allow them to provide it or plug it into the other data that goes into a rating. But there have been some tools. I know ResNet completed a checklist to help capture the data needed. And I know that we are very interested in developing a mobile app. To help capture that information and share that hopefully effortlessly with rating software so that it can be factored in. But to the tools, most HVAC professionals have the tools to evaluate refrigerant charge. And I'm going to start at the back end. But there is a non invasive test that a rater could do. And they're able to evaluate some pressure, they're able to evaluate temperatures of refrigeration line sets. And the entering air and make some very good assumptions about the quality of the refrigerant charge.
0: That's all spelled out in the standard, actually, the steps are and
1: that's in extremely exceedingly good detail, yes. Same thing with watt drop or CFM. If you're a raider and aren't familiar with working a multimeter, there are some other tools. A lot of heating systems are furnaces, and so they're typically a 120 volt and Sometimes they're plugged into an outlet, and so there's a watt meter that'll go between the furnace, and so they can measure, it'll measure the watt draw. And if you know the CFM, then you can calculate the CFM per watt. Same thing with airflow. There are an explanation of procedures how to measure airflow using different processes static pressure, temperature rise, pressure balancing, and the list goes on. Is the standard readily available to the public? The standard is, it is available to be viewed online, free of charge, through ResNet. We can get a link for that later. I'll put that in the show notes, yeah. It can be purchased. Mm -hmm. The standard of paper, if you wanted a paper copy. I should know this. I'm not sure if they sell a digital copy or not. I'm not sure either. I know you can view it free of charge digitally, and you can order a paper copy. Got it.
0: And going back a little bit to the standards... ECA being a standards developing body—is that what you said?
1: Organization,
0: sure. Organization. Thank you. I'm not going to call you a liar for. <laughs> Are you involved in any of
1: those standards committees? I am absolutely. What's that like? It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but it's a bunch of interesting conversations. We're working through two standards at the moment: Manual S, the residential equipment selection, and Manual D, duct sizing. And for those, we gather together a group of individuals who can be very diligent for a very short period of time. And we go through the standard and look at what makes sense. And if there are questions, what do we need to clarify or add to or maybe remove from in order to improve clarity? But this small group of dedicated individuals meets regularly, like once every couple of weeks. And that may not sound like much until you understand the homework that's involved, the reading, some research, there are other assignments. And then we get together and we discuss, what did we find? What was learned? How can we say this better? And sometimes the wordsmithing can get a little tedious, but the expertise that these people bring to the table is phenomenal. And after the working group is finished with its product, we invite a larger review committee. And this larger review committee then takes a look at the document and ensures we haven't missed anything, ensures that it's clear, ensures that it's accurate. And from there, it goes through the ANSI process and it starts with the standards task team. So ACCA has a balanced committee of folks from the industry, from education, from the public. And they review the document, and if they approve, they send it to ANSI. It goes out for a public review, and based on comments that come in, those are either resolved by edits that are made or resolved through discussion. Hey, that is a great idea, but it doesn't necessarily apply to manual S, or it applies to another manual, or maybe it doesn't make sense. But at the end of the day, the comments need to be resolved, and if necessary, the document, if there are revisions and they're substantives or substantial, it goes back out for another review. And in this case, with Manual S, we made a number of small changes, and those have been compiled, and that's what's actually out for a second public review. Here are these changes that we've made. Are, you, are these acceptable? And if so, then we'll incorporate those in the standard, and it'll be published.
0: Who would uh, type a person normally on these committees, that core committee that you talked about? Sure,
1: the working group. Yeah. For example, on Manual D, we had a manufacturer who makes fans. We had a manufacturer who makes ducts. We had a contractor and we had an educator. Those were the four people who came and just really gave of themselves. Manual S, we had a manufacturer, an educator, contractor, two contractors. And of course, ACC staff's involved. We're helping through the process, making sure we capture what's been discussed, incorporating changes to the extent that we can investigate something. We'll take on a homework assignment to do some research or dig a little deeper into finding out more about the topic at hand.
0: And a lot of those steps you mentioned through the last few minutes are required by ANSI in order to maintain the purity of being an ANSI standard, it has to have certain characteristics in the process.
1: Yes, there's a distinct process. ANSI spells out what they call their essential requirements. And then ACCA has a set of procedures based on those essential requirements, and they must comply with ANSI's procedures. But to your point, yeah, the balanced body, the standards body, Sending it out for public review, addressing those comments, doing that in a timely manner, doing it in a public and transparent manner. They look at how we resolve comments and the information flow. And did we give people enough time? And did we hear that yes, they're resolved or no, they're not, but we can't get a hold of them. We've tried and there's, they're non responsive for whatever reason. So a lot of procedures, lots of I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed.
0: And there's something I learned, some of the standard committee that I participated in, there's two words, normative and informative.
1: Is that part of every standard or? Most of the standards on which I've worked have at least had a normative and informative. And the normative sets out the requirements. So typically that's pretty dry, thou shalt do X. And there's a lot of thought that goes into crafting those requirements. They want to make them clear. And what's interesting is there's usually hours of conversation that go into a given topic and then you write this requirement and you know exactly what you want and what is required. And then someone else reads it and they go, you want me to do what? And they don't understand all. And so that gets to the informative sections. And usually that's where it's unpacked. And that's where hopefully a lot of those discussions are captured and that discussion is helps formulate an explanation that goes a little deeper and unpacks it. And or what we're going to do is provide examples as well. Here's an application for equipment selection or duct design.
0: So coming back around this, there's a lot of work that goes into this. And where does the benefit accrue? You covered it in bits and pieces here, but who stands to benefit from this doing this kind of work?
1: The standards development work or following the standards? Following the standard, yeah. Following the standards. Yeah,
0: putting it out there into the public domain for people to
1: act upon it. In my opinion, it's a little bit like medicine. A lot of trial and error along the way, and we're still practicing. But doctors know a lot more than they used to. If you haven't read, I think it's Toll, I'll get you the name of the author, but he wrote The Checklist Manifesto. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, He's a surgeon. And he just talks about the experiences that lead up to why it makes sense to follow procedure, why it makes sense to have a checklist, something as simple and rudimentary as a checklist. And so it's the same thing with the standard. We've got a lot of institutional knowledge. We've got a lot of trial and error. We've got a lot of research that goes into, here's the way to size A residential piece of equipment. Here's the way to size the duct system. Here's the way to calculate the heat loss, heat gain, rather than we just don't know. And so rolling that into your business helps you benefit from all of this experience, all of this research on all of this knowledge.
0: Operate in peak form. Like you said, industry and institutional knowledge is being shared. You're benefiting from a lot of thought about this process. Absolutely. Rather than rolling
1: your own on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And the standards should be written as a minimum requirement. There are some standards that seek to be a lead or an advanced level, a higher level that'll provide a higher level of performance, for example. And ACC seeks to start at the bottom. Here's some minimum requirements. We really want to focus on getting those basics down pat.
0: Are there any? newer standards that have come out? I think a lot of people are familiar with, you should like rattle them off anyway, just the five, seven, eight, I forget how many there are.
1: So there's, when you said five, seven, it made me think of standard five, but I'm going to, let's start with manual J, which is residential heat loss and heat gain. Manual S, equipment selection. D is duct design. T is not a standard, but I'll give it a shot anyway. It's about selecting grills and registers. And as Russ King says, don't blow air on people, and this helps you not do that. Manual ZR is about zoning. We've got a manual on balancing. We've got a manual on low-load homes, which deals with like your home. We've got a largish dwelling, but a very small load, and so delivering BTUs into the space typically requires air to move things around and disperse those BTUs for comfort throughout the structure, and so. Manual LLH spends a lot of time talking about different strategies to help add more airflow to make sure that those VTUs are distributed throughout the dwelling. Manual on standards, pools, spas, standards on quality installation, quality restoration. If you have a catastrophic event and your ducts are damaged, say during a hurricane, or your equipment is fouled, or the ducts are fouled, here's how to go in and clean those and test those quality maintenance, residential maintenance, and commercial maintenance. And the commercial maintenance is actually a joint standard we did with ASHRAE. Again, that's another standard that's being revised as we speak.
0: You can go, ACCA has a bookstore, ACC has a bookstore.
1: We have a, Mr. Stukulov, former chairman of ACCA, if you're listening, I know that you prefer ACCA, but if someone says ACCA, I don't personally get offended.
0: <laughs> he did try to reach through the camera at me. Did he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: But yes, we've got a bookstore. We have a page, a page that lists all the standards and gives an explanation and goes into a bit more detail about them.
0: So you can buy institutional
1: knowledge off of ACCA? For a low, low price. (laughs) Until
0: midnight tonight.
1: (laughs) Until midnight tonight. Use my name and get 10% off. Never mind. That was total.
0: (laughs) If I come from left field there, like I said, you can buy institutional knowledge. You can do better as a business probably make less mistakes.
1: That's the real benefit, isn't it? Because you're learning from what others did. And by just following a few simple rules, following a process, and we're revising manual J. And the standard itself, I think, has is in really good shape. I'd like to see some improvements in the weather data. I'd like to revisit internal loads. And there are some other technical things I'd like to do. But one of the things I'd really like to do is simplify and define what a contractor or a practitioner or designer needs to gather. What's that information? What are those defaults that we allow and specify those? But make it more about what I need to do to collect the data so that I can plug it in to software. Because Manual J's evolved beyond something that you could hand calculate on a piece of paper. And so it's a great tool. You talk about learning from others. There's a lot of science and research in our current standard, and we just want to make that more digestible, more easy to understand, so that the data set can be quickly, easily collected and then plugged in.
0: You'd mentioned Manual J and software. Does ACCA have to review? In order to be able to call like an actual manual J result, is there a review process for the software?
1: There is, yes. So the software is submitted. We take a look at it. And there's a bit of a pre-qualification process. We want to make sure that someone doesn't attempt to be recognized and their software does not start to meet all the qualifications. So we provide that here. Do a self-assessment. Does your software calculate this, that, and the other thing? And then the next step is we provide a blueprint, a home, and calculate the loads, provide that information. We prefer to also see the software process so we can understand if there's a different answer, where did the deviation come from? Was the wrong table cited? Was it a rounding difference? Was it just a different process? We want to look at all those things.
0: The goal is you want to make it work for them because you want to make it work for the industry. Consistency.
1: It's about consistency. And if you're going to say this complies with Manual J, ACCA wants to ensure it complies with Manual J.
0: Are other manuals, do they also have reviews on them, ACCA reviews? yeah.
1: Manual J, N, and D, and we're working on one for Manual S.
0: And People could recognize that. What will the wording be on the software that says?
1: Powered by. ACCA, manual, J, or S, or D, or N.
0: So this is buyer
1: beware. Caveat emptor, I guess, is the word. Caveat emptor, absolutely.
0: Very good. I really appreciate you sharing all this with the listeners. And sometimes people hear things, like I said, hear things over and over again, really don't understand what's behind them. You've been playing in this, working, yeah, maybe playing <laughs> in this area for long enough that your explanations are so beneficial and insightful.
1: Well, thank you. I hope they helped. And it's always a pleasure, Bill, to chat with you.
0: Thank you, Wes. Did you plug the conference? I think you started, you did the fall conference.
1: We have our fall conference coming up in Indianapolis in the middle of October. Great time, a lot of great speakers, a lot of excellent content. If you go to acca.org, you can quickly and easily see a link to the all the details.
0: You didn't do the hard sell at all. You didn't pitch membership benefits.
1: What are the benefits of being a member of ACCA? I tell you what. In my opinion, there are a few. One is access to technical support, primarily on the design side. But if you've got a question about a piece of equipment or an application, we're happy to dig into that and help. Number two, and one of my favorite things about ACC membership, is access to mixed groups. And mixed groups allows people from different parts of the country, typically for non-competition, non-competition. Competitive reasons. So I'm not worried about giving away trade secrets to the guy who's going to beat me out for a job. But different parts of the country and they come together, they share financials, they share best practices, operations, personnel challenges, and successes. And it's just a real opportunity for a business to either give back. There are a number of professionals out there who've succeeded and are doing extremely well. And they want to share. They want to help other businesses, especially the, those that don't have to compete with, do well. And so it's also a great place for people that are struggling or people that just want to take it up a notch. I'm at this level. I want to increase my sales to this. Who's done that? I did. So you can sit at the feet of the master. You can have those interactions. There's a lot of deep professional relationships that are formed. It's a great benefit. And of course, after COVID, our contract reform became a little more popular because people could post questions. Hey, how did you deal with this? Or what did you find about that? So I would say those are our three. There are many, many more. And I'm going to hear an earful from Bart later, I'm sure. But those would be my top three.
0: I will provide a link to the membership page and the show notes, and anybody can listen, click on there. and Absolutely. You've got a whole team of people that have, are organizing these things. Thank you so much again, Wes, for coming on. Always a pleasure, Bill. We'll get this out there to the public and get some feedback for you. Can I put your contact info in? Absolutely. All right. I will do so, and we will see you again at the next trade show. Thanks, Bill. Okay. We appreciate you sticking it out to the end and listening to this episode with Wes Davis and ACCA talking about how the standards help build contractors' knowledge and improve performance. There's a lot of other great trade-related resources and influencers out there, including HVAC Our School, HVAC Shop Talk, Stephen Reardon, HVAC Reefer Guy, Tool Pros, Service Business Mastery, Quality HVAC, HVAC Overtime, HVAC Our Videos. HomeDiagnosis.tv, AC Service Tech, MeasureQuick, and the up-and-coming HVAC Misfits, which I'll be on as a guest in a few weeks here. If you'd like to feed back to us, you can send an email to marketing at truetechtools.com. And if you're in the market for any of the tools or test instruments we mentioned, or anything on your mind like that, take a look at what Truetech Tools carries. In full disclosure, I'm one of the owners of True Tech. But you can also use the secret code HVACBS for a nice discount. If you've not subscribed, please consider doing so. And thanks again for listening to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Take care.